Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Carter, editor of thewolfpacker.com, and my fellow co-host, my trusty co-host, Matt Carter. He's just getting back from Charlotte, North Carolina, where he was at ACC men's basketball tip-off yesterday. I'm in San Francisco, as always, rooting on the Giants for Game 5 and their important NLCS series against the Dodgers. But today we are going to first start with some NC State football. Big game coming up at Boston College this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Matt, this might be the biggest game left on NC State's conference schedule other than Wake Forest. We will get to that. We will talk about that game, what to look for, and the implications of this game. But a quick reminder for the listeners and viewers at home. First of all, I want to thank all of our audience that listens to us, watches us on YouTube. We have reached 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. So yes, you will get that surprise. We are in the works of confirming what that will be. It will be something to do with this podcast episode. So I'm sure we'll have a special episode coming up for you here soon. May not be this upcoming week, but uh, just be looking out for that. We'll put out something to celebrate 1,000 subscribers. And now our goal is to get to 2,000 subscribers. So if you haven't already, please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and please comment. Also, if you like listening to us on the way to work, when you're walking the dog, when you're... I like listening to podcasts when I do the dishes at home. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. So we're everywhere. You're obviously listening to us somehow or watching us somehow. So however you're doing it, subscribe. All right, Matt, let's talk about some NC State football. We're coming off the bye week. Our last episode, we had our bi-week reflections where we started to look ahead a little bit, kind of forecast what this NC State team has to do the rest of the way to make this truly what could be a special season, particularly when you start looking around at the rest of the ACC and seeing some of the struggles that some of these other teams in conference are having. Um, But this next game, it feels like it's a really, really big one for NC State. I'd say it might be the Wolfpack's toughest road game remaining in the regular season. We'll, I mean, we'll see. There might be some tr- tough road challenges ahead, but this seems to be the toughest on paper moving forward, maybe other than, I guess, Wake Forest is in Winston-Salem. So your two big games there on the road. But let's talk about Boston College, Matt. How do you see this game in terms of just the implications of it moving forward? Yeah, you know, it's it really kind of uh... – you have to go to math a little bit, right? You have to kind of start playing the math game a little bit. It feels silly to do that because you've only played one ACC game and so has only Boston College. But then you have to remember who both of those teams played in their one ACC game. It was Clemson. And uh, Clemson, I believe, has played uh, two ACC, three ACC games. So they're two and one. Um, Wake Forest has already played, I believe, four ACC games. And they are 4-0, and obviously. So you start looking at how teams are stacking up in the pecking order of the ACC. Louisville has had a couple of really nail-biting losses. So they've already got a couple of losses on them. Syracuse, similarly, have a couple of nail-biting losses. So they have already taken a couple of L's. 
you got to figure they got some more coming. So Louisville and Syracuse, you can kind of chalk up already behind the eight ball because, you know, um, both of them have played Wake Forest, but they had not played some of the other tougher teams like NC State, Boston College, and Clemson. Uh, but if you look at the way NC State and BC played Clemson, one team won, one team didn't. Well, NC State had them at home. Boston Collins had it on the road. So uh, that is a factor in that. But the bottom line is one team won that game and the other didn't. And you look at the, uh, the teams that are in contention in the Atlantic, you know, you're basically talking right now. Uh, you know, Florida State also has um, a couple of ACC losses, too. So they, too, are behind kind of the eight ball a little bit after losing. I know they lost to Wake Forest, and uh, I think they lost another ACC game. Um, so you really are talking about a four-team race right now in the Atlantic. And that's Century State, Boston College, Wake Forest. Clemson, um, and so if NC State can give Boston College a second loss and two losses to teams that you expect to be there at the end of the season, um, in Clemson and NC State, you know that puts you in a position where BC is really not two games behind, more like three, four games behind, because that you know they, they got to find a way to get past the tiebreaker because they're in such a bad situation if it was to come to a tiebreaker so this would be a really this would be like entry state getting you know kind of killing two birds with one stone so to speak it could really put them in a great spot and also put one of their chief rivals for potentially the atlantic division in a really tough spot and now all of a sudden you're talking about a probably realistically a three-team battle um, for the Atlantic Division in the ACC. Um, yeah, that could always change, but that's what we're looking at as of October. You know, this game will be played October 16th. So um, that's why, this, as you mentioned, that's why this game's important. BC, you know, no fault of their own. They, they, you know, they got dealt a pretty tough first two games to start ACC play. Uh, they need at least a split to realistically win the Atlantic. NC State also um, got dealt a pretty tough start to ACC play. They needed at least a split. They've already accomplished that. If they come out of it 2-0, and uh, they're in a great spot. So that's why it all it, – it, it seems weird to be talking about it in just the second game for both of these teams in the Atlantic, but that's why it is so important. When you break it down, this game carries implications that could carry far beyond October 16th. Um, and the, you know, it's still a matter of taking care of business for both of these teams if they win. Uh, you know, yeah. so it's not like. But uh, when you break down the schedule and you break down the Atlantic, you know, that's why this battle has a lot of implications. It's not too early to start talking about it because we're in the thick of it. I mean, look at Wake Forest. They're halfway through their ACC schedule. I know they've got nine ACC games. You know, I, Don't get me started on the UNC game. That's a non-conference game for them. <laughs> Stupidest thing ever. But you look at the ACC Atlantic, there are four legitimate contenders to win that division right now, NC State being one of them, Clemson and Wake Forest being the other two, and, of course, Boston College. I think this is a do-or-die game for Boston College, though. 
in the sense that if Boston College doesn't win this game, like you were saying, Matt, they're going to have two losses, and then they're not going to have the tiebreaker edge over Clemson or NC State, which basically means they would have to – the only way that they could win the Atlantic would be to win out and manage to beat Wake Forest in that final game to win the tiebreaker of our Wake Forest team. And NC State and Clemson would have to lose a lot the rest of the way for Boston College to have a chance to win the ACC Atlantic from that point on. So with this game, if you're NC State – and you look at the four contenders of the ACC Atlantic Division, you've already got a win over, well, you've got three opponents. You're one of those four teams. You've already got a win over one of them. And if you can manage to get a win over Boston College, then you've got two wins out of those three legitimate contenders, plus you're basically knocking one of them out, and you're making it a three-team race if you can get a win in Chestnut Hill this Saturday. So, yes, if you look at the implications of this game, they are huge. And I think NC State goes into this game with confidence knowing that I think, you know, on paper, NC State has the better team. I mean, you know, we, we don't know a whole whole lot about these two teams just because they haven't been tested too, too much. I mean, NC State's really only two legitimate opponents have been Clemson and Mississippi State in terms of just a level of competition. I mean, Louisiana Tech was certainly up for the challenge, but I'm not going to give NC State brownie points for beating Louisiana Tech at home by seven points. Still a good win, still a solid win, could look better down the road, but I'm not going to say that leads to a win on the road against Boston College. Boston College, you look at their games, they lost to Clemson, yes. They lost a close overtime game at Missouri against you know a, a team that's towards the bottom well, of the SEC. Missouri. Oh, excuse me, they beat, they Missouri. beat Missouri. I'm sorry. Yeah. They barely beat Missouri, which is an impressive win and. I got that completely mixed up. Boston College was at home in that game. It was not at Missouri. So, yeah. you know, clearly an impressive win at home. But but to your point, a bottom of the SEC team this year. I don't think Missouri and Mississippi State are the same. So right. I, I don't – that's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. You look at the rest of Boston College's games, they've played nobody's Temple, UMass, and Colgate. And they let UMass score 28 points, one of the worst teams at the FBS level. I think that was right after Phil Jerkovich, uh, Jerkovich, excuse me, was hurt. So now they're down to their backup quarterback. Um, but NC State enters this game as a three-point favorite, Matt. And the Sharps like NC State. 31% sharp advantage, 71% of the money on NC State, just 40% of the tickets, however, on NC State. Most of the tickets are on Boston College, which means the big betters are on NC State, which means the sharp betters are on NC State with that three-point edge on the road. Uh, what do you make of that line? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think of that spread? Do you think that's spot on? It's, it's tough to give a team too many points when, when you're at home if you're Boston College. Yeah, I think that's a fairly accurate line. There, there are parts of this matchup that concerns me for NC State, one being the, uh, <clears throat> the offensive line for Boston College. It's a good offensive line. It has multiple All-ACC candidates. It's an old offensive line, as Dave Dorn said. Um, I think Charlie Wiles joked during the coaches' show taping that they're all like 28 years old or something like that. You know, so they're, they're facing, um, and you know, that was kind of the key to Tom O'Brien's recipe of success at Boston College, where they were perennially old. So, yeah, they may not be as talented as some other teams, but. Their guys have been in a college program for four or five years, so they're grown men. And if you if you follow Thunder 
on Twitter, you see the difference between freshman and senior in a college program. It is night and day difference. And if you're going to tell me the guy who's a freshman, the picture on the left is the freshman, that he's the five-star. And the picture on the right is the senior who's a three-star. I'm taking the picture on the right every day of the week, right? And so that was kind of Boston College recipe to success. They were filling their teams up with the, the guy on the right all the time. And that's kind of what this offensive line is like. It's an older group. I mean, they are physically mature men at this point. They're, they're fully grown, physically mature men. And so you'll wonder how the entry state with the three-man front will hold up against that. Um, Boston College, in the game they won, ran the football extremely well. Um, the one game they lost against Clemson, they could not run the football. They had to really throw it uh, to move the ball on offense. Uh, Clemson, though, as we noted, is a great defense. So, that, you know, they, they, they're a really good defense. Even with the injuries, they are a great defense, which is why Clemson is still in the Atlantic Division picture. They, they stink offensively, but they still have an elite-level defense. Um, and so that would be one, my one concern when I'm th- thinking about how this game could play out is can NC State hold up with the physicality of Boston College, particularly as the game goes on. That's why I think maybe an early lead would be really beneficial for NC State. Kind of get BC out of wearing down NC State, which is what NC State tends to do to opposing teams. You know, they run the ball better in the second half, it seems like, than the first half. They just wear you down offensively. They wore Clemson down in that game in Raleigh. So, um, so that's kind of what my concern is. I think it's key for NC State to get a good start and not let BC be physical and, and put BC in a position where they got to start throwing the ball with the backup quarterback who who has experience. In fact, I'm pretty sure, I, I should have looked this up before the podcast started, I'm pretty sure he was the starting quarterback when NC State got trounced by Boston College uh, two years ago up in Chestnut Hills. Um, now, he didn't have to throw the football that much that particular game because, as I recall, um, there were a couple of running backs for Boston College that both ran for over 100 yards in that game, and, and they just put a butt whooping on that NC State defense. Um, but this is not the 2019 NC State Wolfpack either. That was, you know, a far different team in a far different place at that point. Um, yeah, Grossell so we'll played. Uh, he played eleven games in twenty nineteen. Um, you know his his he percentages. He did play against NC State. Um, did not have a lot of success against NC State. He only threw six to fifteen for one hundred and three yards. But when you have AJ Dillon running for two hundred twenty three yards, and David Bailey running for one hundred eighty one yards, and the team running for four hundred twenty nine yards, you don't need to throw the football at all, which is what BC got into. So. Uh, yeah. Well, the old cliche: stop the run. Boy, that means a lot this weekend. I agree. They uh, they don't have an AJ Dillon on on this Boston College roster. Last time I checked, that's good news for the Wolfpack. And you brought up a point when you're talking about Clemson's defense. You called it a great defense. I think NC State has an opportunity to prove that it's also a great defense this weekend. I, I think you've already seen sample sizes of what this defense can do. And when when it's on, 
NC State's defense, to me, looks like a top 15 unit nationally just because they swarm to the ball so well. They've got guys that can you know, push the line of scrimmage up front, and they've got really solid play in the secondary. And when they're all swarming to the ball, you've just seen these stretches of play from NC State where teams can't get anything on offense. Now, in the Louisiana Tech game, you started to see maybe some sloppiness in the second half. Maybe that had some fatigue. Some, some fatigue may, may have had something to That's do exactly with it. That's exactly what it was. Um, it was. And, it got worn down. Yeah. And coming off a of bye week, you know, you would you would hope that if there's going to be maybe a, shot, a sign of fatigue, that maybe that comes a little bit earlier in the form of rustiness as opposed to just, you know, physical exhaustion just because you've had that week to prepare. This will be another physical matchup similar to the Clemson game. But, but look, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that NC State can't have, a, you know, comparable success on the defensive end to what Clemson is already doing this year because Clemson's lost a lot of guys. You know, it's, I mean, I know they're filling in these guys with other four- and five-star talents, but but Clemson has lost solid starters. And to your point, Matt, you talk about would you rather have the, the fifth-year senior that was a three-star coming out of high school or would you rather have the freshman or sophomore that was a five-star? I mean, to me, it probably depends on the five-star, right? I mean, some some guys, <laughs> you're going to go with the five-star every time, but, but more times than not, you want to go with that experience. And I think – you look at this NC State team, we, we, we talked about it so much going into this year that this NC State team could afford a few injuries, and you're seeing that even though you lose your best player going into this season, Peyton Wilson, out for the year, you lose a couple more key members of your starting cast. You have three defensive starters out. You know, NC State still has the talent behind them in reserves to go out and be a great defense this year, so... And they've been really impressive with run defense so far. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really the key to the game. Can that run defense show up? Can NC State win the line of scrimmage? Um, you know, Boston College uh, head coach Jeff Halfley was asked about NC State going into this weekend, and his first response when asked about the offense was pointing right at the offensive line. He talked about Icky Kwan Yu. Obviously, Icky's getting a lot of attention this year. He's looking like a guy that, you know, he keeps playing like this. He's going to be an early first-round draft pick next summer. Um, but, you know, NC State's just been establishing itself at the line of scrimmage, and they have to continue to do that against a Boston College team that's certainly going to bring it at the line of scrimmage this weekend. So I think it'll be a fun football game. I don't know if I would smash uh, an over in this game, although Halfley's you know, this Boston College's team is not like Boston College teams past. They're not afraid to score the ball. They're not afraid to throw the rock. But when you lose Djokovic, who was a dynamic quarterback, I mean, I think we're talking about a different Boston College team without Djokovic under center. You look at Dennis Grossell, five-game sample size this year, completes about 60% of his passes, but only has 763 yards. That's you know, I mean, maybe he comes in as a reserve in a couple of those games, but that's, you know, roughly around 200 yards a game, four touchdowns, four interceptions. So, you know, you're looking at a quarterback that has shown vulnerable to turnovers. Maybe NC State can get a couple couple picks in this game, win the turnover margin. Another game where you talk about these toss-up games, if you can win, if, you, if you're in a toss-up game, but you can win the turnover margin, it no longer is a toss-up game. You have the advantage. So, Win the turnover margin, yeah. win the line of scrimmage, and we'll see what can happen this Saturday because it's going to be a big one. Excited to see what Chestnut Hill is going to look like at night. I just, I, I don't, 
I can't recall ever watching a Boston College game in Chestnut Hill in a night setting. I feel like they all I it has to be a noon kickoff. It just has to be. Yeah, most of them are. I did cover one game at night for NC State against Boston College. Uh, when Boston College ended up beating NC State pretty good. Uh, I think we got that game in person. That was a game where I think Marcus Stone threw like a 98-yard or 99-yard touchdown pass to Brian Clark early in the game. And that was about the, the highlight of the day for NC State after that. But it was always uh, the, the field, the artificial turf at BC was curiously damp and wet. Um on a beautiful fall afternoon in, in Chestnut Hill. Uh, and I remember, I do remember how uh, Chuck Amato and some of the NC State coaches were suspicious. And that was the, the defense that flew around for NC State. You know, Mario Williams, Manny Lawson, Steve Metolik, all of, all of those future NFL guys, um, John McCargo, et cetera. Yeah, and they flew around on defense and they had a speed edge on BC, who was that big, powerful team. And, um, and there was always a sneaky suspicion of why would the field so wet <laughs> before, before the game. And then I remember that Tom O'Brien was obviously the coach at BC, and I remember asking some of the guys uh, about it once they got the NC State, and kind of got a lot of a, you know, whistling type answers, if you know what I mean. So um, I don't think that'll be an issue here. Uh, Saturday, but to your point, you know, the first game that Dennis Grossel, the new quarterback, started, they only threw seven times and for less than 60 yards against Missouri. They only attempted 18 passes for less than uh, for 175 yards. Um, you know, they had to throw it against Clemson, and they had 311 yards passing on 23 attempts, which is a pretty impressive uh, number. Um, and they can get you on the play action passes. And it's worth noting, they may have the ACC's best wide receiver in Jay Flowers. So uh, they don't have a lot of receiving threats, but, you know, they do average 13.4 yards of catch, which is an impressive number because they basically lull you into play action pass and get you, and they have a very dynamic receiver in Jay Flowers out there. Um, and so you have, to, you have to be disciplined. But who do you, I do who do you think, think matches up with him? <laughs> do you give it to Derek Pitts you know, or do you give it to uh, Shaheen Battle? You know, they'll put him in the will put him in the slot too. So I think he's just gonna have to cover him with what you got where he's at. Um, but I also think I kind of wonder if the game, the smart game plan is not to say we want to make Dennis Grossel beat us. Yeah. Grossell, I, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing his name right, but Grossell just sounds like a quarterback name. Yeah, I think the the, uh, the game plan is make him beat you. You sell out against the run, and you make him prove that he can beat you throwing the football. Um, and then there's the fact that you got to be able, you got to score too. Now we, we talked a lot, awful lot about the lineup, the uh, the matchup on one side of the ball, but. You know, BC pretty solid defensively. They did give up a lot of points to uh, Missouri in that one game. Uh, Missouri, but they don't give up a lot of yards. And um, I will say this Clemson had a lot of success running the football on them. 
Uh, that's not typically Clemson's MO this year. They ran for 231 yards and almost six yards to carry against a Boston College. So, as much as we talked about stopping the run, you know, also might be important to establish the run. There might be an opportunity there. I would too. also that way say kinda... that NC State shutting down Clemson the week prior in the run game may have had something to do with that. There might have been a little extra fire in that running back room after what NC State did to that running back room the week before. But you got also got in mind that they were down to their third running back because one running back had transferred right before he played NC State, and then they lost Will Shipley during the NC State game. So they went into that BC game. I granted he was probably a rival 104-star stud that could have gone to, you know, Texas or Southern Cal or Alabama or something like that. So, I mean, I'm sure he's talented, but nevertheless, that was their number three option at running back that was leading the way. So, um, but, you know, this is a game where on one side you want to stop the run, make their quarterback beat you. On the other side, you want to establish the run, and that also helps you win the physicality battle of who can wear who out in this game. Because I think these are two teams that want to wear you out by the end of the game. Well, good news for Wolfpack fans and, and good news for Chuck Amato if he's pulling for the Wolfpack this weekend. <laughs> Alumni Stadium went to AstroTurf in 2012, according to the interwebs. So hopefully good draining system shouldn't be shouldn't be a soggy <laughs> field at all. Let that defense fly around, make plays. All right, let's transition to basketball. Matt, you were in Charlotte yesterday at the ACC basketball tip-off got to talk to Kevin Keats got to talk to Jericho Helms got to talk to Manny Bates what was the main message that they were trying to get across about going into this season because I read the transcript watched the videos have some thoughts about what was said but I just want to get your take on kind of the driving message of what this team is all about yeah it's it, you know, I think there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder a little bit. I think um, some of the questions made them realize that, uh, you know, this is a team that's still fighting to get respect in, in its own backyard, much less the ACC. Um, so, you know, I'll be interested to see if that kind of carries forward. Yeah, you know, it's just a... It's a team of a lot of unknowns. There's reason to be optimistic about it, but there's also a lot of unknowns. How will Casey Morsell... Yeah, they, they seem to think he can flourish under entry state system more so than he did at Virginia. Will that translate and show up when ACC play starts? And you don't even have to wait till ACC play starts because I'm telling you, this is a really good non-conference schedule. So if there's, if it's flourishing in non-conference, it should flourish in the ACC too. Um, can can um, Tequavion Smith bucket, as uh, Kevin Keats has been saying, repeatedly will that translate yeah we, we tend to get inflated expectations of freshmen because we hadn't seen them yet and and i'm putting all of us in that category i'm you know we all get inflated and we think oh he's gonna come in and average 10 12 points or whatever i'm thinking can Tequavion average seven points a game and give him seven points or something like that again that'd be a really nice number um for a freshman can he do that can he give them a boost I do think it's pretty clear, in my opinion, that, that we're looking at a lineup that's not going to be big like last year with Thunderbirds and Bates, that more likely Helms and maybe Seaborn or 
maybe it's Hallams and three guards like Smith, Marcel, and Hayes. You know, Keats did say Bates, Hallam, and probably he said Cam Hayes was probably our starter. So you're really looking at a couple of spots open. Yeah, do you go with Sebron, who probably he, be my he preference? Will, he will moment. be a starter, Kevin Keats. He, it, there's, you can let the cat out of the bag. He'll be a starter. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, I probably would go with Sebron. Just to know that I like Sebron, but he's also a great rebounder. And it gives you another rebounder in that front court to kind of help out. And he can still play on the wing. Um, and then more, I would probably go with Marcel and the experience. I, I, you know, he played defense at Virginia, obviously, or you don't get to play. And um, and then Kevin Keats at one point did say that uh, Tequavion's not a great defender yet. So, um, you know, that might be a differentiator to me. Um, or do you look at a three-guard lineup of Hay, Marcel, and Smith with Hallam, the kind of a big guard, small ball forward, which would kind of be a throwback to his first year at NC State when, uh, for two years, really, when Torn Dorn was playing a lot of power forward. Uh, and he basically went with a four-guard lineup. Uh, not quite a four-guard, because I think Hallam is a pure forward, but similar ballpark. Um, it's also the role he played a lot early on last year, because if you remember... Funderburk and Manny Bates were hardly in the lineup together for the first half yeah. of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know if they have the personnel to go that big way again. Um, you know, Greg Gant has been kind of slowed with um, a sports hernia, which I'm not 100% sure what that is, but I've heard it a lot, and I've never bothered to look it up, even though I've been curious about it. Sounds painful. Um, so... Yeah, hopefully he'll get that taken care of. But, you know, and then Ernest Ross is probably the intriguing guy. If he can make that happen, they obviously like his upside. But, again, he's a freshman. And Kevin T said he doesn't even know how good he is. Um, yeah, you know, and then what kind of development did you get out of Abby uh, Dewana and Jalen Gibson? That's kind of an unknown. But they had quite a bit of development ahead of them to get to the point where you trust them playing significant amount of minutes so um i do think we're seeing a clear trend towards going with a more of a four perimeter guy starting lineup with uh base in the middle yeah yeah uh, i want to talk about terquavion smith because that was coach keats's quotes on terquavion really stood out to me in the sense that I get the feeling that Terquavion's going to have a huge role in this rotation. I mean, it's probably understandable that he's not a great defender yet. Um, that might be a factor of want to versus just physical ability. Probably would not be surprised to see a freshman come in and not take defense too seriously in yeah. early summer session practices. It'll come. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come. You know, he's a lengthy guy. If you can put some muscle on his frame, I think he's got the prototype to be exactly the type of guard that Coach Keats wants in his backcourt. He's not a guy that needs the ball in his hands to score necessarily. Um, so you don't have to put him at point. You can put him on the floor with Cam Hayes. I think they'd complement each other very well. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him in the starting lineup for the opener. I mean, I know I know what you're saying with Kevin Keats going with experience and defense defensive ability you know maybe giving the edge to Morcel wouldn't shock me if he goes either way 
but it just seems There's that... always a chance that he starts over Seabon, too, that he goes with that lineup that we talked about, maybe Hayes, Smith, Morsell. It And it, it depends on how much progress Seabron's made over the summer, too. I mean, we know that Seabron's put on some much-needed weight. That was probably the biggest issue last year is that he had all the athletic ability in the world, but needed to put on some some muscle just to deal with the ACC physicality, maybe finish a little bit better. He's a great player in transition. Can he be a reliable player in half-court sets? He's got he's to gotta figure out a way to knock down some shots from three consistently. I know he got some to drop last year, but you know, you look at the form, you look at just kind of the situations where he was shooting, there's room for improvement there. You need him to be an above, a consistent above 30% shooter for him to really unlock his potential in half-court sets. Because if he can, he's really, I mean, I, I really think sky's the limit for Darion Sebron. He could he could be a dynamic type of ACC player, but he's got to get defenders to start respecting that perimeter shot, that outside shot. And maybe, you know, just half-court sets in general, just handling the ball a little bit better. To Quavion, though, there's just a scoring sense to him that I feel like you talk about freshmen being a little bit slower to start. I think a lot of that has to do with confidence level coming in. There's kind of a culture shock when you go from being the top dog in high school and then you step on a college basketball court and you're probably the sixth or seventh best player on the floor. That's that's a humbling experience for a lot of 18, 19-year-old young men. Terquavion strikes me as the kind of guy that he's, th- he's going to think he's the best player on the court no matter what's happening. Uh, so from a confidence level perspective, I think that dude's ready to go day one, and I wouldn't be surprised to see he he just screams the type of guy that they're gonna play a non-conference game against an inferior opponent. And he's gonna drop like twenty-five or thirty in one of those games because he's just gonna take advantage of them, and the lights are gonna shine bright. And uh, but we'll see what he can do in ACC play. I've got a lot. I've got high expectations for Terquavion Smith. You know, you look at last year's freshman class. Some of those guys come in with maybe a little bit higher rating, bring different talents, but you look at Shaquille Moore and Cam Hayes, Terquavion Smith is a proven scorer. I think if you look at last year's class and this year's class, Terquavion Smith's probably the best just natural scorer of all of those players, and he's probably the best shooter as well. So I like his chance to play a big role in year one. And when you look at this team as a whole, it just comes down to health. I mean, if, if this full roster if everybody that we're talking about can be healthy and contribute consistently throughout the year it could be interesting i think this nc state team could be a good team that could surprise people and you know knock on the door of the ncaa tournament but they can't afford they can't afford big losses this year not like last year last year they could hardly afford it and they still missed the tournament but you look at nc state the wolfpack played its best basketball towards the end of the season last year when it finally started to figure things out with the new lineup, without Devin Daniels in it, and without Thomas Allen down the stretch, really, um, coming off the bench. With the offseason departures, you don't have Funderburk anymore, you don't have Devin Daniels anymore, you don't have Shaquille Moore, who was a consistent contributor in the lineup last year. You just can't afford a big loss this year because beyond, I mean, there's just so much unproven... I just I some of the freshmen last year, the freshman bigs particularly, there was just so much improvement needed for them to be consistent, reliable players in ACC play that it's just hard for me to see, you know, Gibson or Dewana being, you know, starter quality bigs in the ACC this year. So we'll see if if they can make the improvement, 
contribute 10, 15 minutes a night and be quality players off the bench, come in, get you some rebounds, play good defense, maybe drop a couple points, you know, that's a possibility. But you certainly can't rely on any of these young, unproven guys like a Casey Morsell or like a Greg Gant. You can't expect them to come in and be double-figure double scorers right off the bat. If, if that's what you need to be good, then that's not a recipe for success. But we'll see. Just got to stay healthy. Let's get to non-conference because I, I think they're uh, Cam Hayes is due for some big improvement this year. I think I think his new and improved uh, ten pound heavier body is is going to be a, able to finish at the rim a little bit more. I think he's going to have a little bit more confidence with his shot. I think he'll be a more confident player, and and we'll see what this NC State team can do. Anything else stand out to you from Media Day, Matt? No, I thought you brought a good point about the Quavon Smith is. Um confidence as Kevin Keith talked about kind of that swagger on the court uh, the fact that he's already talking trash like yeah more uh, atypical of a freshman to be talking that much trash I think is what he said but he's a, he's a competitor um, he's used to winning he won three straight state titles with MVP at a title game last year so um, but you know me Justin I'm always there I'm the uh, old man on the lawn, right? I, 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 I just think freshmen take time, the, the growing pains, the inconsistency, and we kind of get inflated views of what to expect from them. Um, but I think he's, I think they're seeing that he's clearly going to be one of the top. If he's not in the starting five, you're looking at a six-man wall for him, probably, based on the way they're talking right now. And then, Got to also figure out on his roster. Another freshman will get prominent minutes. Um, uh, we don't know. You know, we hadn't heard a whole lot about Thomas Allen. That's partially my fault. A couple of people said, oh, Kevin Keith didn't say anything about Thomas Allen. You know, I, I, I teach a lot of those questions about individual players, about Ross and the sophomore bigs and Sebron and et cetera. And it just slipped my mind to ask about Thomas Allen. So don't read anything into that. That was just Kevin Keith asking what everybody asked him, answering what everybody asked him, and none of us asked about Thomas Allen. So let's not forget about him. He was at seven points per game score last year when healthy. Ideally, you, you would love for him to just ease right into that Braxton Beverly role of just being that microwave off the bench. You bring him, on, bring him in off the bench, he knocks down a couple threes, you know, 20, yep. 25 minutes a night, that'd be perfect. Yeah, so, um, it's, uh, yeah, and uh, obviously it goes without saying. Keith has not had a lot of good luck with injuries since he's been at NC State. Uh, it's important that that, that, that turnaround. Um, so we'll have to see what Greg Gantz's availability looks like going forward. I said take a few more weeks to evaluate it. We're in a few more weeks. Uh, that first game is... Uh, November 9th. So, yeah, that is a few weeks from now. <laughs> so, make you wonder how available it will be. And also, women basketball really quick, too. Yeah. Uh, Jada Boyd, um, Kayla Jones, uh, a couple all-ACC caliber women. Um, we definitely know Jada Boyd to begin the year, and then we'll have to see um, the availability of uh, Kayla Jones at the outset. But, you know, if Westmore has proven anything in his time at NC State is he can overcome injuries uh, with the Wolfpack, too. So, yeah, yeah quick uh, women's basketball note. No, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. They they are, um, you know, the team to talk about, considering they've won the past two ACC championships. And 
the favorites to win a third this year, I would imagine. I don't know if the preseason voting has concluded yet in Charlotte because I know the women's media day is today in Charlotte for the ACC tip-off. I would imagine NC State would be the preseason favorite to win it all again and get back to the NCAA tournament. And this team has final four goals in mind. They're not. Uh, I talked to Elise Kunain. I talked to Reina Perez for the Wolf, uh, the women's basketball preview that we have coming out in the next Wolfpacker magazine. If you're a Wolfpack Club member, expect those magazines coming to your doorstep soon. If you're not, you can go to thewolfpackeronline.com and order your copy today of our basketball preview magazine for the upcoming season but uh, they certainly weren't weren't satisfied with the sweet 16 exit last year you know this is a competitive bunch and you look at how much the women's basketball team accomplished last year there were a lot of program first it was a special season and they should absolutely be celebrated but I think sometimes when we talk about the women's basketball team we we have to hold them to the same standard as we'd expect from our men's team and if this men's team had a similar year and then went to the Sweet 16 and lost to a team that shouldn't have, there might have been a little bit more pressure afterwards. And, and that pressure is being applied internally. Westmore expects more. These players expect more. Elisa Kunain is a fiery competitor. She's talking about this season like it is her, her senior season. I would not be surprised if this is her last season at NC State based on the way she's talking. But she certainly has big goals for this upcoming year and... This non-conference schedule is not going to be easy by any means. So the loss of Jada Boyd and uh, who was the other player that you mentioned, Matt? Kayla Jones. Kayla Jones, excuse me. Kayla Jones potentially losing both of those players early on in the year. That's going to hurt. It's going to hurt truthfully because you open up the season with probably the hardest game of the year in South Carolina at Reynolds Coliseum. Other non-conference games to consider. You've got Maryland on the schedule, who's a top preseason top 10 team and then you also play the big 10 acc challenge game in bloomington for a rematch of that sweet 16 matchup nc state lost to indiana i think 70 to 68 was the final score off the top of my head two point loss in that game but they're going up to bloomington indiana is also returning a lot of its talent from last year that was an elite eight team last year obviously uh, and goes into this season as a preseason top 10 team. So there's three preseason top 10 teams on NC State's non-conference schedule before it gets to ACC play. Um, you know, last year NC State went undefeated in non-conference play. If it can go undefeated in non-conference play again this year, we're talking about a team that might be ranked number one going into ACC play. I wouldn't expect this team to go undefeated in non-conference play because of just how many tough opponents are on the schedule. But look, They've got a lot of talent. They've basically got all of the producers coming back from last year. If you're not going to have Kayla Jones and Jada Boyd early on, you're going to have some additional talent coming in this year as well. Diamond Johnson is the newcomer to watch for sure. I wrote about her in the women's basketball preview in the magazine. You can read about her more there. But she is she was the number three ranked guard in the 2020 class. The only two guards ranked above her in that class, Paige Beckers of UConn and Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Those were two first-team All-American players last year as freshmen. So you're talking about a player with that type of talent. Pure scorer, excellent player, was on the second-team All-Big Ten last year at Rutgers, averaged, I think, close to 18, 19 points a game. We'll see how many points she can score in this talented lineup at NC State, but this backcourt just got a whole lot better with Diamond Johnson in the backcourt, plus he got Raina Perez, plus he got Kai Crutchfield coming back. And then, of course, Madison Hayes from Mississippi State, all SEC freshman player 
last year. She could be a key contributor as a player that gives NC State some length on the perimeter, a six-foot guard. We'll see what she can do, how she can fit into the rotation. But uh, NC State women's basketball is going to be good once again. So um, get ready for that and a big game to start against South Carolina. So Wolfpack fans in Raleigh, go out to Reynolds Coliseum. I'm sure that will be an electric environment as the Gamecocks come to town. Uh, the national runners-up last year. And, of course, they'll be looking for their revenge after NC State went to Columbia and beat them last year when they were ranked number one. So women's basketball, men's basketball, football, we're getting to the crazy season, Matt. Um, but luckily basketball still about a month away. So tune in Saturday, Boston College. Get ready for it. 7.30 kickoff, big game. Um and for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams. This has been the Wolfpacker Podcast. Remember to subscribe, like this video, and comment on it on our YouTube channel. Again, thank you so much for getting us to 1,000 subscribers. We really appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always uh, listen to us on thewolfpacker.com. We have a live player there. Um, and follow us on social media. Give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Wolfpacker. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will. So, again, for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.